There is a perennial temptation to reinterpret or reimagine Jesus in a way that uh, fits with our worldview, with our philosophy, so to speak. And this is a temptation that existed when Christ walked the earth, and it's a temptation today. In the modern world, often the temptation is to gut the gospel uh, of any supernatural claims, and instead to present Jesus as a wise sage, philosopher. There's a guy who's written a couple of books arguing Jesus is some kind of New Age guru. About 100 years ago, the British Catholic writer G.K. Chesterton, he noticed that among his contemporaries, uh, there were some who went so far as to deny God's existence, yet they still didn't want to completely deny Christ. Instead, they wanted to reimagine Christ as uh, merely a prophet or a philosopher or even a misunderstood poet. And of course, they could find a passage here or there that could support their theories. But Chesterton said that when you look at the Gospels as a whole, when we read the Gospels honestly, with, a, with an open heart and mind, we come away with a very different impression. He said, we come away with the strong impression that Jesus the exorcist towers above Jesus the poet and even the prophet. That the story between Cana and Calvary is one long war with demons. He understood better than a hundred poets the beauty of the flowers of the battlefield, but he came out to battle. And then he goes on, Chester goes on to cite the example, uh, as an example, the end of our gospel. He says, when the apostles were first sent forth with their faces to the four corners of the earth and turned again to acclaim their master, in that hour of triumph, Jesus did not prophesy. He did not philosophize. He did not under, utter poetic words. No, he looked up and said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. He came out to battle. As in Chesterton's day, so it is in our own. We have many who will go so far as to deny God's existence, but they still don't want to deny Christ. They just want to reimagine him uh, in a way that is devoid of any supernatural claims that are in the gospel. And an example, a good example of this is the gospels speak often of supernatural evil, of the demonic. So people will try to explain away the presence of Satan in the gospels or the many exorcisms Jesus works as some sort of allegory for evil. But to do this is not only, is it just wrong biblically, it's also profoundly arrogant and deeply naive. Supernatural evil, the demonic Satan, they're all real. But our gospel shows us we don't need to be afraid because Jesus has won the victory and he gives the disciples, his disciples, the power and authority over the full force of the enemy. So who, let's talk about the supernatural evil. Who is this Satan that Jesus witnessed fall like lightning from heaven? Well, Satan is an angel, a fallen angel, uh, as is the case for any demon. An angel, whether we're talking a holy or a fallen one, they are creatures. They were created by God, meaning they were originally created good, as was the case with all creation. Angels aren't people with wings. They're pure spirits. They have an intellect, a mind, and a will, but no body. And in the beginning, one of the more powerful angels, Lucifer, Satan, incited a number of other angels to join him in a doomed 
rebellion against God. And as a result, Satan and his demons are cast out of heaven. That's what Jesus is referring to when he says he witnessed Satan fall from heaven like lightning. But most importantly, since demons are creatures, God is infinitely more powerful than them. They are only permitted to operate, to tempt and afflict humanity, because in some mysterious way, all things work for the good for those who love God. So yes, Jesus came out to battle, but it was never uh, much of a battle to begin with. We see this in the Gospels. Whenever Jesus confronts supernatural evil, he simply speaks the word and the possessed person is liberated. He simply says, be gone, Satan, and it is so. Jesus came out to battle, and he calls us out to battle with him. You know, Isaiah, in our first reading, prophesied that the Lord's power shall be known to his servants. And we see that prophecy fulfilled in our gospel, where he gives this, Jesus gives this share of his power and authority, not just to his 12 apostles, but to these 72 disciples who are tasked with preparing the way for Jesus, going to these towns and proclaiming that the kingdom of God is at hand, teaching, preaching, healing, and yes, even casting out demons. And at the end, they return and they rejoice. And the first thing they say to Jesus is, hey, Lord, even the demons are subject to us because of your name. That's when Jesus says, I've observed Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And he, he adds to that, behold, I have given you the power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and upon the full force of the enemy, and nothing will harm you. Jesus' words, they call to mind the crushing of the serpent's head in Genesis 3.15, and it foreshadows the ultimate victory he will win on the cross when he definitively defeats sin and death and the devil. And from that moment, from Christ's cross and resurrection, Satan's cause is absolutely lost. However, from then until our Lord comes again, we have a battle for souls. When this cosmic battle is over, Whose side will we be on? And so the harvest is abundant, but the laborers are few. For those who follow Christ, it's not enough to just practice the faith as this little private devotion. No, we we must be willing to share. We must be willing to, like the 72, to go out and proclaim the kingdom as God is at hand, to go out like sheep amidst the wolves, to go out knowing that we will be forced to confront supernatural evil. Yet even here we don't have to be afraid, for Jesus assures us that the power and authority he gives to his disciples will enable us to tread upon the full force of the enemy, and nothing will harm us. You know, one area where we really need, um, where the harvest is abundant but the laborers are few, is in the cause of life. This is an issue, life and abortion, and something I've talked a lot about this spring and summer. Talked a lot about it because we're at a very critical juncture in our nation and here in Kansas. We need people who are willing to bear witness to the truth that all life is sacred from the moment of conception. And we're facing um, very stiff opposition. You know, in the nine days since the Dobbs decision uh, overturned Roe v. Wade, attacks on Catholic churches and pro-life pregnancy centers have been reported in numerous states in West Virginia, Washington, Virginia, Louisiana, Colorado, California, Texas, Florida, New York, Illinois, and Indiana. And I'm sure there's others. This was from a news report a few days ago. In fact, in West Virginia, a historic 145-year-old Catholic church 
was burned to the ground by an arsonist. Now here in Kansas, um, thanks be to God, we, we haven't uh, seen what some other states have seen, but you know, here in Emporia, Sacred Heart had their large value them both sign vandalized last week. And thanks be to God, they had a, an extra one as a backup. So when we face this hostility, we might be tempted to feed our anger and resentment at the opposition. This would be to fall into Satan's trap. We must look at the example of our Lord. He came out to battle, but he did not come out to battle against those people, those humans who wished to mill. He came out to battle, but not against Herod, who wanted him dead from the moment he was born and was willing to massacre a whole slew of infants to try and get at him. Christ came out to battle, but not against the Pharisees and the Sadducees or the Sanhedrin or Caiaphas, who all conspired to crucify him. Christ came out to battle, but not against the Roman Empire that was oppressing violently the chosen people. He came out to battle, but not against Pontius Pilate, who in his cowardice gave in to an angry mob and allowed a man he knew was innocent to be crucified. No, Jesus came to redeem and save all these individuals who wished him harm. And from the cross, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So we must look to his example, to the example of our Lord, who tells us that we must love those who oppose us, offering forgiveness rather than feeding resentment. We must, if we feel tempted to anger and resentment, turn to Christ, and he will give us the power to tread upon the evil serpent, to banish uh, our temptation to, to resentment and anger. On the other hand, we might see this hostility and be tempted to cowardice, to just being quiet, wanting to go along to get along, peace at all costs, even if it means keeping quiet about the belief that all life is sacred from the moment of conception. Here, too, we must seek the power of Christ, praying for courage, the courage to go out even though we're like lambs in the midst of wolves, trusting that the Lord will give us the power to overcome our true enemy, Satan, praying that we might have the courage to speak the truth in love. Christ came out to battle, and he calls us to come out to battle with him, to serve as laborers in the harvest, in the abundant harvest. Yes, we have an enemy in Satan. Yes, we face supernatural evil, but we do not have to be afraid, for Christ has won the victory, and he bestowed upon us the power to overcome the full force of the enemy. Jesus came out to battle. Let us come out to battle with him.